Welcome to episode 13 of A Politic, a progressive discussion of politics for people who hate politics. The goal of this podcast is to encourage voter registration and voter participation in a process of transformation of our society in a more progressive direction. We would like to see everyone doing better, everyone progressing, no one left behind. So we are examining the issues from a progressive point of view, and we're hoping to reach that 40% of voters who are eligible and don't vote. And then we're further trying to reach those who haven't yet registered. You haven't seen that the reason why our society has so many difficult problems, which we can't seem to resolve, is we have a very large percentage of our population who does not give their voice, who does not express their opinion, who does not vote their conscience. And we believe that by increasing participation in registering and voting, when we get to 70%, 80%, 90%, 95% participation, things in our society will work much better because the elected political apparatus will work more efficiently. So anyway, this is episode 13. And again, this is part four of our discussion of Principle six, increases equity and opportunity for those who have historically been oppressed, particularly Latin Americans, Latinos, Native Americans, and women. So we welcome you to this episode and hope you will join us again. Welcome to episode 13 of A Politic, and we're continuing our discussion of principle six, our progressive principles that help us to think in terms of improving the progressive element of our society that will empower everyone in our society, will help those who have never voted to realize that we do have the option to change things and improve things, that we do have the option of listening to each person's voice and hearing them. And then the net result is, as an example, principle six, increases equity and opportunity for those who have historically been oppressed, particularly African-Americans, Latinos, Native American, and women So I just want to invite my friend Steve to say hello, and we're going to continue with the episode. Hey, Steve. Hey, Bill. How are you today? I'm doing well, and I'm uh, ready to launch in here. So let's get started. We We last time ended on the significance of Brown versus Board of Education. I'd like for you to say, to to repeat the point you made last time about separate and equal. Well, basically, um, 
the country prior to Brown versus Board of Education uh, allowed there to be a physical separation between populations of students according to race. And uh, they tried to legally uh, cement that particular philosophy in place by saying in law that you could have separate educational institutions, schools, but, and you could basically keep the races apart, but then they basically said, but you'd get an equal education regardless of which school you went to. And of course, um, history has shown that uh, one, uh, separate but equal, was not really separate but equal, and that the schools uh, that the African Americans went to were always underfunded and uh, probably uh, in many cases had uh, teachers that were far less competent than the ones that uh, taught the white uh, population of children. Well, okay, so Brown versus Board of Education led to the integration, also called desegregation, of public schools. And Southern white citizens began to campaign against this, and they called it massive resistance. So violence against blacks rose, and that led Dwight Eisenhower uh, to send in the paratroopers of the 101st Airborne Division to protect nine black teenagers to uh, integrate the Little Rock, Arkansas High School. And this is sort of the tip of the iceberg where things started. And so by 1957, only about 20% of blacks were registered to vote nationwide. And despite being the majority in numerous counties, in congressional districts in the South, most blacks had been effectively de disenfranchised by discrimination in voter registration and rules and laws that were a holdover from the 19th and early 20th centuries. So real, they realized, they being the president of the United States, Dwight Eisenhower, Republican, and the Senate Majority Leader, who was a Democrat, Lyndon Johnson of Texas, realized that they needed to do something, but they had to be very careful. And they had to get the uh, somehow the permission of the white leadership in the Senate, many of whom senior members were from the South. And those included people like James Eastland of Mississippi, Richard Russell of Georgia, and Strom Thurmond of South Carolina, who were very adamantly opposed to the civil rights era and the civil rights movement. So they were basically able to, the, the proponents of this bill were able to um, engineer a Civil Rights Act of 1957, which began the era of post-Reconstruction, that is post-Civil War, Reconstruction of uh, the Civil Rights era. And it's funny that the first uh, bill was in 1957. The previous bill had been 1875, so it had been quite a, a period of time between 
one era and the next as far as starting civil rights um, laws and guaranteeing people being able to do things um, in the in the country legally. And just as a as a note here, one person, Strom Thurmond, was such an opponent of civil rights le uh, legislation that he sustained the longest one-person filibuster in history in an attempt to block the bill. He spoke for 24 hours and 18 minutes, nonstop. And another person that spoke against this was Robert Byrd from West Virginia. He had been a Ku Klux Klan member so he was also in opposition in 1957. So basically, the 1957 Civil Rights Act was a fairly um, limited affair that established a commission on civil rights. It established an attorney general who would be over the civil rights division. There were other various laws that were included in the uh, legislation that were helping to protect the right to vote and provide for trial by jury to amend the Civil Rights Code. So basically people would be able to have their day in court if they were having a civil rights uh, problem. So Steve, why don't you continue on with what happened in 1960? Well, about eight months before the end of the Eisenhower administration, the Civil Rights Act um, of 1960 uh, was approved by Congress. Uh, the elements of that legislation uh, established that federal inspection of local voter registration polls by appointed referees to oversee Southern elections and to ensure that African Americans were permitted to vote. It also established penalties for anyone who obstructed someone's attempt to register to vote or to vote itself. It also extended the life of the Civil Rights Commission, which was previously limited to only two years. The commission oversaw voter registration and voter practices. Uh, the uh, 1960 Civil Rights Act also set up prosecution for interfering with court orders regarding school desegregation. Uh, at the end of the day, though, the Justice Department had to bring forth specific cases to prove qualified citizens had indeed been denied the right to vote because of their race or their color. But as the number of cases prepared and filed piled up because the Southern Court District judges were hesitant to process them. So the act really didn't have the, the, the teeth that it needed and it failed to enforce the law but it did show that the federal government was committed to work with civil rights organizations to end discrimination and segregation in the United States. But demonstrations such as the ones that occurred in Selma, Alabama, pressured the, the future administration of Lyndon Johnson to work on the Voting Rights Act that passed in 1965. Wow, okay. So just before the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was passed. So we're seeing a series of legislative movements that help to provide a foundation 
for the civil rights movement, that these laws were passed. And so the Civil Rights Act of 1964 actually legally ended segregation in public places. It banned employment discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And it um, provided a prelude for the Voting Rights Act of 1964, I mean of 1965. So basically, uh, it had gotten started under Kennedy and the basically uh, the bill that finally moved into the U.S. Senate that had passed the House of Representatives caused a 75-day filibuster. And at that point, there were uh, a lot of moves to try to scuttle the bill. However, it was um, eventually passed, and one of the votes to allow the bill to pass the Senate had this interesting uh, point that um, Senator Claire Engel of California was too sick to speak, but she voted I by pointing to her own <laughs> her own eye. So she was able to vote by simply pointing to her eye and that helped the bill to pass. So under the Civil Rights Bill of 1964, as we said, segregation was ended. It uh, banned all places of public accommodation from having uh, discrimination, courthouses, parks, restaurants, theaters, sports arenas, and hotels. No longer could blacks or other minorities be denied service simply based on the color of their skin. And Title VII of that Civil Rights Act barred race, religion, national origin, or gender discrimination by employers and labor unions, which created the Equal Opportunity, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission with the power to file lawsuits on behalf of people who felt that they were being discriminated against. And it finally offered a, um, the Department of Education, which at that time was known as the Office of Education, to assist with school desegregation, which gave extra clout to the Civil Rights Commission in um, prohibiting uh, unequal application of the civil rights legislation. So eventually came the Civil Rights Act of 1965, which was actually called the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Tell us about that, Steve. Well, as you uh, just mentioned, um, it is referred to as the Voting Rights Act of 1965. It was signed into law by President Johnson, and it was aimed to overcome the legal barriers at the state and local level of government that prevented African Americans from exercising their right to vote as guaranteed under the 15th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The Voting Rights Act is considered one of the most far-reaching pieces of civil rights legislation in U.S. history. The act banned the use of vehicles such as literacy tests to provide for federal oversight 
of voter registration in areas where less than 50% of the non-white population had not registered to vote and authorized the U.S. Attorney General to investigate and use the use of poll taxes in state and local elections. This was a horrendous series of policies in the South where if you were legally allowed to vote and you were African-American, you could vote, but then you had to pay a tax for the privilege of voting. White populations were never asked to pay this, this particular uh, amount of money to go into a voting booth. And then, in some instances, if you could pay, if you were African-American, you had to take a test that would test your literacy on American governance, what, whatever they thought they needed to do to say, well, you didn't pass, and so therefore you can't vote. Now, white populations were not, uh, did not have to do a literacy test. Wow. And so the fact that these, these barriers existed and they were quote-unquote legal at the local level, the uh, Voting Rights Act of uh, 1965 prohibited that across the federal landscape. And um, it is, again, amazing that that only happened just maybe um, 60 years ago. It, it, it is, uh, it is uh, quite um, uh, an amazing piece of our, of our history. Yeah. And then, that's, that is amazing. And then the final major legislation that happened in the 1960s was the Fair Housing Act of 1968, which banned discrimination in the sale, rental, and financing of property. So through this struggle, racism would continue. Legal segregation had been brought to its knees in the United States and so in a way, we're dealing with the legacy of that now as we're discussing the history of our president who was involved in legal battles in the 1970 because his family discriminated in the rental of property which they were renting to the public. And we don't want to get into a whole bunch of uh, no, no, no. that. But, 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 but we do realize that this situation is continuing. Go ahead, Steve. No, there was just one little thing just showing you the the tsunami of change that, that happened as a result of the passage of uh, this act. In 1965, at the federal level, at the time the passage of the Voting Rights Act occurred, there were only six African-American members in the U.S. House of Representatives and no African-Americans in the U.S. Senate. But by 1971, there were 13 members of the House and one African-American. And so here we are in, in 2020, and I don't have the figures in front of me right now, but I do, do believe that uh, if you take a look at the roster of the House and the Senate, there uh, uh, you have more of a representative example of the American population at the federal uh, level of, of the legislature, the national legislature. Yes, and actually, you're right, we have made progress to the point where, at this point in time, we have 
Let's see, I'm looking this up. Well, of course, we had Barack Obama as the president, which was a quite a breakthrough. And, well, well yeah. over the last 20 years, we have increased from 30 black representatives to 56. We've improved from 19 Hispanic representatives to 43. We've increased from seven Asian Americans in Congress, both this is both House and Senate, to 17. And we've gone from one Native American in 2001 to four. So we've made some increases of um, significant proportion to our Congress, and we have a, a good long way to go. Well, thank our Congress you. is now looking a lot like the, the national uh, population. Yes, it is, it is. So thank you, Steve, for today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Yes, uh, you take care, and it was a pleasure talking with you, Bill. Well, you've just finished episode 13 of Apolitik. We're hoping that you will register if you haven't registered to vote. Ohio's registration deadline is October 5th. And the first day of early voting is October 6th, the very next day. The election is November 3rd, so that's your last day to vote. Thank you for joining us for A Politic, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.